A few years ago, Becca and I, before uh, the kids came along, um, took some friends to Cornwall. Um, dear friends of ours, Artemis and Erastus, if you're listening, guys, hello, uh, nice to see you. Um, uh, they're from Greece and Cyprus, and, uh, and we've been telling them about how wonderful Cornwall is, the amazing cliffs and the beautiful, stunning beaches. And we said, guys, you've got to go. So um, we agreed to go, and 7 o'clock one evening in southwest London on the edge of the M4, we bundled in the car and set off on our four- to five-hour road trip to get to Cornwall. Now, Becca drove very well the first bit, uh, the motorways, but as we got there, obviously, there was some fatigue and we needed to switch drivers, and so I took over. And like the rally-driving racer that I am, I took to the windy Cornish roads with verve. We've got to get there. And poor Erastus and poor Artemis, because they must have felt so dreadful in the back, um, so sick. I think, uh, are we nearly there yet, as Steve said at the beginning, became a fairly regular refrain. Um, how was it that they managed to not just lose the plot with me and say, Ollie, just pull over and we'll just stay in a and b in Devon somewhere and let's just give up on the whole thing. I mean, how they kept it together, I think, is, is something of a wonder, but they did. Um, and I guess... I guess it was that vision, wasn't it? That vision of Cornwall that we'd been telling them about for for so many months and years. Oh, we've got to take you there. I'm sure it was that 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 kept them together. That vision made the difference. Well, here in Psalm 122, we have a psalm of vision. A psalm to tell us about the kingdom of God, the city of God, the heavenly city of God. Uh, to tell us of it so much that it would keep us going, no matter what. This psalm, Psalm 122, is what's called a song of Zion. It's a song that doesn't revel in Cornwall. It's a song that thinks on Jerusalem. And all that Jerusalem was promised to one day be. A, A heavenly city, a city to which the nations would come, a city where God himself would dwell a city of peace and justice and blessing. So friends, here we have, in Psalm 122, a psalm that gets us anticipating and longing for heaven. And it gets us longing for it so much that it provokes a passion, a passion for the city of God, not just to come, but now, in the here and now, in the church, the earthly outpost of the heavenly city. It's a wonderful psalm. It starts with this refrain, doesn't it? I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. It starts with joy, but notice how the psalm ends. It moves from joy to total wholehearted commitment to this city, doesn't it? Look how it ends. I will seek your good, Jerusalem. That's the journey that this psalm is going to take us on. Now, friends, I take it that's a journey that we need today. I don't know about you, but these last few months and weeks have been, have been hard, haven't they? They've been wearying. We've, we've held on, and perhaps some of us, like maybe those pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem, have felt ourselves just clinging on. Life's been tough. Faith has been hard. But now we have a psalm to cast our vision on what is to come, so that maybe if we feel like we're dragging our feet a bit, that actually our feet would be lifted and we would share in something of the joy and the vision and the passion 
of this psalm. A psalm focused so much on the future that it would give life to our days now. So I'd like us to see three things in this psalm today. And the first one, in verses 1 to 2, is joy. Joy. Notice how the psalm writes. The psalmist writes in verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Notice the joy and the gladness there. Here is a record of rejoicing. Here is a record of rejoicing being remembered and recounted. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, is it me or is there something quite startling about that line? Glad? Glad to go to the house of the Lord, you're saying? (laughs) If only. Oh, I wish that was me. I wish I was that glad when someone said, let's go to church. But frankly, my enthusiasm is sometimes a bit lacklustre. How is this guy able to have so much joy here? Well, look at what this joy is like. The joy here feels to me like the person who comes back from holiday. (laughs) And you know what it's like. You've, You've got a friend who comes back from holiday, and they're just so full of it, they want to show you their holiday snaps. And they want to tell you about all of it, even the flights there. Uh, They want to tell you even about the refreshments on the flight, what the flight attendants gave them. (laughs) In fact, they don't even just want to tell you about that. They want to tell you about where the idea came from. They want to tell you, oh, you know, we were in the travel agents and we were looking through the brochures and stuff. And the travel agent just said to us, oh, have you tried out the Croatian beaches? And I was glad when they said that. Oh, I was full of joy. Oh, it's so amazing. They want to tell you the full story, every single bit of the details, because they're so full of joy about the destination. Because they want you to be so thrilled for them about that holiday that you want to go there too. And it's like that here, isn't it? The psalmist is saying, let me not just tell you about the place, but how I got there. Because I want you to have that same joy from start to finish. I was filled with joy when they said, Let's go to the house of the Lord. Our our feet had been standing in the gates of Jerusalem. And we were filled with joy when they said, let's go. But what was so joy-filling about this city? Well, I think there's clues even in verse 1 and 2. The psalmist is called to go to this city. But notice they're not called to go by a travel agent. (laughs) <laughs> they're not sold a good story. They're not, they're not saying, oh, I'm sure you'd like it. No, here is a group of people who put their arm around this psalmist and say, let's go. Let's go together. And you think, actually, about the psalms we've been reading in this little series, Psalm 120. And the psalmist has been living in a world of deceit and hostility, isolated. Psalm 121, the psalmist has been in danger. And now here the psalmist meets some people who say, don't be isolated. Don't be facing hostility. No, come with us in peace and fellowship to a place where you will be safe. Let's go together to the house of the Lord. You get a little taste, don't you, of something of the joy that that psalmist has. To have someone wrap their arms and say, let's go there. And you know, friends, I think as we see this joy, it it reminds me that actually one of the most precious things in the Christian life is when someone comes alongside you, when 
when life has been tough and you've been a Christian for a little while and someone says, look, look to the future. Look to the house of the Lord. There is our future. Come on, let's walk this path together. Fix your eyes on heaven. I don't know about you, but when people have done that for me, that has been the most precious thing in all the world. There has been little more joy filling than that. And that's the start of the joy here for this psalmist, isn't it? And it's so precious. And as I've lingered over this psalm this week, my prayer has been, oh, that we would be a church family like that, where the joy of fellowship, of having each other in brotherly love and and companionship, say, come on, we're headed to that future. Let's walk this together. Let's go together. Oh, that that would fill our life together. It's so precious, isn't it? Let's go. Let's fix our eyes on the heavenly city, Jerusalem. And the psalmist waxes lyrical about it, doesn't he? Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, let me tell you all about it in verse 3. Oh, it's built as a city. It's the city that really is a city. She is a city indeed. And now, now, he, now he goes for it. <laughs> now he starts to paint the picture and tell and share and give a vision for this destination. Here's why you should want to go there. Here's the vision. Look, point number two this morning, the vision. Verses three and five, three to five rather. It's a picture here, yes, of what Jerusalem was when the psalmist went. But it's also a picture, isn't it, of what Jerusalem is really meant to be, of what it will be one day, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is, an, this is a beautiful, idealized picture of the future coming. And it's there in verses 3 to 5, isn't it? Look at verse 3. The psalmist says, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. The psalmist speaks of having been taken to Jerusalem. And as he's gone there, it's been like the city is bound tightly together. You can almost feel the kind of shoulder-to-shoulder nature of it you can imagine the hordes of people going to Jerusalem for Passover or whatever it is and everyone packs so much together that as you look up the hill to the temple it's like the people all merge into one as you as you scan up and all the buildings they fit tightly together this is a city that is bound together no no pieces missing out no loose loose stones no leftover pieces no awkward gaps Every building and every person fits in. Everything fits together in this place. A city bound together. You know, it's striking, isn't it, that sometimes uh, we can get into a habit of saying sometimes, I just feel confused about things at the moment. I need to get some space. I need to get away from it all. I need to get away so that I can put things back together well listen if you've got a vision of this heavenly city here do you see what it is this is the place where things are brought back together we shouldn't need to go away from the city of God to be put back together we should want to go towards it we should want to move towards that city not away from it because this is the city with the very structure that brings things together so much so look at verse 4 It's the city to which even the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. 
Notice these tribes going up, and, and they're the tribes of Israel. But they're also the tribes of the Lord. So this is, this is that group of tribes who, who had a history of falling out with each other. You know, the Benjamites, the Levites, the, a number of fallings out. Indeed, so much so the kingdom of Israel split in half, didn't it? And here are these tribes, and they're all going up to this city. Arguments put aside, threats, comebacks, grudges. It's all gone. Everyone is going up together. This is a miraculous unity, a social unity, a friendship, a harmony. And I take it that these tribes are not just that, but the tribes of the Lord. It's everyone who's put their trust in the Lord. So much so this includes you know, those Egyptians who left Egypt in the Exodus and others all, all beside. This is a city with ethnic, cultural, racial, gender-based divisions, and they're all brought together. How amazing is that? This is a city where people are brought together. And notice it's a biblical unity too. And people have come to this city. Why? In verse 4, because it was decreed. It was decreed for Israel. It's because of God's call and command that they go. This is a unity found around what God says. All other voices drop away and only his remains. It is the Lord's word which is final and most important. It is the most important reason to go to the city of God and find that harmony. The word of the Lord is the linchpin of that future city. Notice then as we think on this psalm how how sometimes we say, look, I, I don't feel like doing my bit in the journey of discipleship i don't feel like going to church and sometimes uh we know it of ourselves i think and we and we've heard it (laughs) said that oh i just i don't feel like going so if i did go that would be dishonest and therefore i'd be being hypocritical if i went and so that only makes things worse so i'll just i'll stay away from church But look, do you see how the unity happens, how things are brought together in the heavenly city? They're brought together according to the word of the Lord, according to the call of the Lord. That's what brings people together. That's where people find unity. Staying away from disciples, staying away from the church only takes us away. The unity we need and that we long for is found in the word together with God's people. This is a vision of unity around the Bible. His call is what's most important. And then we get to feel something of that unity. And notice too, this is a biblical unity, but it's also a godly, God-centered unity to this heavenly city, isn't it? Here is a people brought together to worship God as God, to give thanks for his name, for his character. The people here recognize God as the sole creator, righteous and holy and perfect in every way. They recognize his character as redeemer and rescuer of sinners, his character of steadfast love. This vision is beautiful and it shows us and reminds us that humanity will never find unity around anything else other than ultimately the love and praise and worship of God. If we live for other loves... We'll just find competing loves in our heart and competing love with other people 
And there'll never be any unity, never any peace or security. Only when we live to the praise of the one true God can all other priorities and loves find their right place. And friends, look, this is what happens in this beautiful city of God. The praise of God is the centerpiece. And there, the psalmist says, in this city, their thrones of judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. There can only be this wonderful justice, this wonderful peace and security, because God is praised, because people come around his word, and because there is one king on the throne. One king issuing words of judgment. Here is the word of judgment that doesn't just make decrees and verdicts and so on. This is a word of judgment that has made a world of blessing. A word of judgment that really does something, that is applying mercy, righting wrongs, ordering goodness, bringing this place of peace and goodness together. This is the vision of the heavenly city that we're given in Psalm 122. It's a joy, isn't it? In not an earthly destination, not in Cornwall, as wonderful as that is, or indeed in beaches in Croatia or something like that. No, this is joy in the heavenly city of God. And it's joy shared so that we might share it. This is what the heavenly Jerusalem will one day be like. This is what believers are headed for. And so the psalmist wants to get our passion to be in the city of God that is coming. You say, that's weird, Ollie. Isn't it weird to have a passion for a city? I don't feel right. But think of all of the characters and heroes that we know of in our culture. I mean, think of the film The Gladiator. Now, Russell Crowe in that film, what does he fight for? He fights for Rome. Think of the hobbits in The Lord of the Rings. They fight for what? For the Shire. Think of James Bond. (laughs) What does he fight for? For England, James, for England. Or think perhaps of our Queen. What does she do? She does her diplomacy stuff. What? For the good of the Union and the Commonwealth. Or perhaps closer to home, think of our friends Wayne and Michael Lilly, who, what do they do? They, they stand up for ride, don't they? They're passionate for ride. Think of some of the superheroes, the Marvel superheroes. Thor fights for Asgard. Think of Batman. You know, he dons his cape, doesn't he? For what? For the hope of a new Gotham City. It's not so strange, is it, really? Christians live for the city of God's. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that vision and drive, that loyalty, is what we are to be caught up in it. That city is our hope and our great passion. And the psalmist is calling us to be filled with a passion for that city. He casts a vision of it so that even though it's still to come, it doesn't mean that we just sit on our laurels and just sort of wait for it to happen. Now, he knows that city hasn't come yet, which is why now he he applies his passion to get us to share it. Look here, point number three. What do we see in the rest of this psalm? We see his passion that if this great city is to be our city, if it is our city, then we won't just have 
a passion for the future city to come, but we'll have a passion for its earthly outpost, the earthly anticipation of the heavenly reality. There's a passion on the ground, isn't there, for the earthly outpost. Look at verses 6 and 9. The psalmist says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The future city of God is a place of peace. And so the psalmist wants peace for present Jerusalem. Let's pray, he says, pray for the security of those who love you, Jerusalem. Peace be within your walls, he says. The psalmist says, if I care about this city, if I care about my people, I must pray this. I must say, peace be within you for their sake. And notice he says, if I care about the heavenly Jerusalem, I must care about the earthly anticipation. I must care about the church. If I care about the Lord and his house, well, I need to pray for the church. But not only that, but I must, in a sense, take some responsibility for it. I must get behind it wholeheartedly. I will want to say, I will seek your good. Do you see, the joy of that call, the vision of that city, leads to a passion for the city of God here and now. If I believe I am on my way to heaven, I must care, I will care about heaven's outpost here and now. And so I'm called here, aren't I, to have a prayerful passion, praying that the church would have peace and security, that it would be at home in a history where the cross is at the centre. I'm to pray for a biblical and godly unity that would mark this current city of God's. That we'd be unified around the word of God. That we'd be unified in the praise and worship of the only true God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we would share that love for our brothers and sisters that we pray for them. And that we'd share a love of the Lord so much so that we would seek the good of this city in no matter what way. So that we don't just, as it were, don't only pray, Lord, would you make us more unified? Lord, would you unite this fellowship in its love of the Lord? Not only that we pray that, but we actually get involved in making it happen. That's a challenge there, isn't it? If, if we felt like we haven't been part of things, at Grace Church maybe, then... What does this passage say to do? It says, cast your affections on the heavenly city to come and know what the church will be one day and pray that the church now would be, would be reflecting what is to come and pray that and seek its welfare. Seek its good in every way. That language of seeking the welfare it reminds us of Jeremiah 29. Well, Jeremiah tells the people in exile to seek the welfare of the city, and, and he means there to get involved in every aspect of the city, in government, in social care, in leadership, in 
in, in everything, in family life. Seek the good of the city wherever you are. And it's that sort of language here, isn't it? Seek the good of the heavenly outpost, the heavenly, the earthly representation of the heavenly city. Get involved in every aspect of its life. Show up. Make encouragements. Make suggestions. Love. Build up. Take on risks. Work together. We're on a journey, aren't we? To our home. To the heavenly city. And that future vision should affect us now. It should give us a passion for the earthly anticipation of heaven. A passion that doesn't just mean that we bear with it, but that we encourage, that we get on board. That we help the city. I suppose you could think of my poor Greek and Cypriot friends uh, (laughs) in the back of the car. Now, I suppose there wasn't much they could do to help with the journey. They were in the back trying not to be ill (laughs) as I drove. But we are called to encourage, aren't we? To be involved, to be part of the unity, to be moving us towards what we will one day be. So what does that look like? What might that look like for us? Well, pray is certainly there, isn't it? And praying specifically for the rule of Jesus and his word. It's the Davidic throne, isn't it, of the king that brings everything together. So pray for Jesus and his word to be the centerpiece. What else could this psalm mean for us as we commit to the earthly anticipation of heaven? Well, I think it will mean for us pursuing church membership. Because if we are behind seeking the welfare of this city, then what reason could be good enough to withhold unity from that which we will share that ultimate unity with? For those, those who are anticipating this kind of heaven, why would we withhold ourselves from that? Why would we withhold committing and getting on board with that? I think it means if we know we're headed to that unity, then we'll be seeking forgiveness now. And we'll be seeking understanding where there have been disagreements. I think it means that we'll be confessing our sin and failure to one another. I think it means that even if we felt hurt and maybe left out, that we'll keep on. We'll keep on moving towards each other. I think it means that though there will be people in the church who we will naturally feel comfortable with and we'll move towards, that we'll be aware of that and we'll, we'll want to move towards those who we're not comfortable with because we want to bring them into the heavenly city. Uh, we, we want to seek our others and include them and bring them in. I think this means that our speech will be flavoured with the truth and kindness of Jesus whose word is the centre of the city. This passion too, I think, means a sense of realism and a sense of optimism. A sense of realism because, because the people here are called, aren't they, to pray for the city. This little outpost isn't the destination, isn't the arrival. <laughs> That's still to come, isn't it? And so this church isn't perfect. It will get things wrong The church will need your prayer. This church will need your prayer. Fervent prayer. Realism. Not unrealistic 
expectations, thinking that this church should be heaven now, because we know that it's not. But one day it will be. One day this little outpost will be part of that heavenly city when the new heavens and the new earth come together, when Christ is in all and fills all and rules everything. So that means not just the realism, but the optimism too, isn't it? No matter how hard it is, I'll never give up. Because we're headed to that city. Because one day, this little fellowship will be part of the city of God. I'm not going to be making my bed elsewhere. I'm committed to the church. So here is passion. Here is joy. Here is vision. All for the city of God. I wonder if you've got that. Here is a city that is coming. A city in which one day on the throne, Jesus will be crowned ruler of it all. And I think that's a good point to end on, actually. That is, in the end, the ultimate reason to share the passion of this psalm. Because these are words that speak to us of our Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus heard the call to go to the city. And he was glad when he heard that call even though he knew what awaited him inside. For the joy set before him, he went to the cross. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, didn't he, amidst a busy crowd, amongst the tribes, as the Lord had decreed, to the praise of God. Even though this city was pretty much anything but the the city of peace. There, Jesus found thrones set for judgment. A throne to bring peace and security to the world. A throne to make things right. A throne for the line of David, for the son of David. A throne for the king. And that throne was a cross. And it is the king of that throne who says to us, who says to you and me this morning, pray for the peace of the city. Seek its good. I think the words of verse 8 and 9 are Jesus' words. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And Jesus did everything possible to the grave and through it to the other side into the very judgment and wrath of God to bring us to the city of God, to the place of peace and security. How can we not share in the vision of that city to come? And might that vision transform our affections and our heart for this mere earthly anticipation of what is to come? Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for how it shows us the joy and the beauty and the unity of the city that is coming. Father, we confess how how our hearts haven't always appreciated what you're doing in this world, how important the church is, that earthly outpost, that little slice of the heavenly reality. 
So often we've downplayed it. But how can we neglect it if we are headed for that city? Father, might we be a body who pray for the peace of this city on earth? Might we be a body who seek its good? Might we be those who wrap our arms around one another and push each other onto the future? And might we be those who, who reflect the unity and the peace and work with each other for your glory? And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake and for his glory alone. Amen.